things are never gonna be the same now. I mean, look at this. You got aliens. You got big green guys tearing down buildings. When I was a kid, I used to draw cowboys and Indians. Um, actually, it's Native American, but... Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen? It's a show where we talk about movies and specifically we talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host Travis, aka TV Travis. This is episode number 163 and our film this week was Spider-Man Homecoming and joining me because somehow he managed to not see it, which is impressive, is yeah. Nisbet. How are you doing? How are you doing Nisbet? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, yeah, I kind of it was semi-intentional, but also at the same time, kind of not. Well, I guess um, that, that's just, the first question I should ask you is, A, are you a Marvel uh, fan? I am. I and, am. But see, so here's the thing with the MCU. With the rate that some, they sometimes come out with movies, I don't always have the chance to go and see them. Oh, sure. Um, because, you know, event running, family stuff holidays yep. and it just weren't just being a pain in the ass too pain mm-hmm. in the butt, uh, backside too um also contributes to it um like i was sort of a touch and go and whether or not i'd actually be able to finish uh <laughs> the movie for this for today for tonight because work was basically on fire all the way through yesterday afternoon Oh no! Uh, I I actually had to run out to a a customer Friday. I got the call at ten thirty from my boss that we needed to go up there. It took me an hour to get everything ready to be able to go up there. We were able to spend all of an hour and a half, maybe two hours, up there, and they had to come back again because shift change. Oh boy! And then yesterday morning, yeah. I had to leave right away go up there and we spent maybe an hour hour and a half up there and then i had to come back again and i still had to be there for another total of six hours because of some other stuff i had to take care of too oh man yeah well so work was on fire but i got through the movie um <laughs> fortunately uh and i had like i said me not seeing this was semi-intentional semi not um not because again with the amount of stuff going on it um, I don't always get a chance to see everything. Mm-hmm. So realistically, I've seen maybe half of the MCU up to this point. Sure. Um, no, I I get that. Like, I, even I went. I definitely went through a stretch where I wasn't seeing them in theaters. I would catch them a little while later. Um, yeah. And but there was just like just getting out to a theater to watch. I I did not see uh, like Ant Man, the first Doctor Strange. Um, I can't remember what the what another one was, but there was like a few movie stretch where the same thing happened. Just everything gets in the way, and you're like, I I, just, I can't make the time for that or or the expense because this was pre like AMC stubs where I could pay twenty bucks a yeah. month and get three movies a week. Um, yeah. So, but well, I, and then by the time I was actually able to sit down and, and watch some of these movies, I'm like, I was when I started paying attention to this podcast. I'm like, well, we'll just. We'll just save them for <laughs> save them for Travis. There you go. Well, see, and and look, now here we are talking about it. So, yep. are you a Spider-Man specifically fan? Um, um, 
from what is the only bits I had really seen of Tom Holland as Spider Man was uh, Avengers uh, Infinity and then Endgame. Okay, yeah, really, yeah. the main place. And I enjoy. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely enjoyed them. They were wonderful. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I knew okay. I'm not really seeing the first sections of Tom Holland as Spider-Man mm-hmm. because he's sort of in the okay. I'm an Avenger now, <laughs> already all grown up. You Which know, is is something I, I and I definitely want to touch kind of on that whole uh, the whole thing with the way that they've done that. But as a character in general, both comics, cartoons, yes, movies, like whatever. Spider-Man. Okay. Yes. Um, because Spider-Man is for a long time was the Marvel character that people knew. Like he was the Marvel yeah. version of like, when, when you think of DC comics, you think of Batman and Superman yeah. and Wonder Woman. Spider-Man and like, was Marvel character. Yeah. For a long time. And, and when it was Marvel comics, it was Spider-Man. And then, you know, it was like maybe Captain America and then kind yeah. of everyone else. Um, and Spider-Man had... He had his own uh, animated series back in the 60s yep. with the catchiest theme song, This Side of DuckTales, um, that you'll yep. ever hear. Uh, yep. Then you had, you know, they had a live action version that they did in the late 70s, which was great because his yep. spider webs were like ropes, like literal ropes that they would throw around the screen. It was awesome. Um, I remember I remember the 90s cartoon because uh, it came on the heels yeah, it came on the heels of X-Men. Um, it was that same era, and it had yep. had just a really cool art style to it. And, and Honestly, the 90s cartoon kind of broke a mold, too, when they mm-hmm. did it. I mean, because you really can't replicate what they did now very easily. No, no. And, and I really right. I enjoyed it. It wasn't... I put... So when it came to 90s era... Um, superhero cartoons for me the the uh the bar to clear is batman the animated series like that was the top below that was x-men and then below that was spider-man for me yeah um but that's not to say that either x-men or spider-man were bad by any stretch and spider-man certainly is not a bad comic it's just Bruce Tim and Paul Dini with Batman the Animated Series just set that bar so high yeah. that it was going to be tough to to match that. But the Spider-Man yeah. cartoon, what I liked about it was it had a really cool version. I liked Peter Parker in it. I liked the voice acting that they got for it. And it just yeah. had a feel. It, it, there was something I, I liked about it. But like Spider-Man shown up in several um, comic uh, cartoon series since then. Um, yep. As well as this is the... Work bad just none of them were really hit all of the points i was hoping for Mm -hmm. yeah i can i can see that that's sort of really non-dc animated series from like 2000 on i'm sort of hit or miss on anyway it feels like dc figured out animated stuff really well when marvel's series were very hit and miss like i remember watching an episode of one of the Spider-Man series, I don't even remember which one it was, but Deadpool was in it, and like it was really enjoyable, but I tried to watch other episodes in that series, and I just it didn't hook me. It didn't grab me. Yeah. So. Um, um, and- I, I will say, out of the... Because out of the three... For the live-action movies, out of the three people who have done Spider-Man, 
Mm-hmm. I like um, Tobey Maguire as sort of the adult one. Okay. I'm I'm the adult now, and you know I'm not growing up. I've grown up, and then I became Spider-Man. Sure. Even though he did technically, he was in high school in the first movie. Right. Right. But you know, by the time the third one came along, he was not. And yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Definitely. Um, the and I really, but I really like Tom Holland overall. Um, just because of the more, I don't know. I, I, it's going to sound really weird saying it like this, but he brings out more of the Peter Parker and Peter Parker, even though he is younger and Peter Parker, his Peter Parker is a lot more goofier and a lot more awkward and a lot more mm-hmm. the other things that you would expect from a teenager. Sure. It still feels very much like you would have expected from a Peter, from a Spider-Man comic. Yes. So, this, as you mentioned, this is the third iteration live action of Spider-Man and the big screen. Um, and there were a few things this one did differently, but, but comparisons are going to happen. So we might as well just lean into those. I think that Tobey Maguire fit what Sam Raimi was going for in his Spider-Man movies perfectly. And, and what Sam Raimi was doing was he was encapsulating and kind of capturing the feel of those sixties comics. So yeah. Toby Maguire felt like a sixties version of Peter Parker. The problem was that the movie came out in 2001. Yeah. So it wasn't bad by any stretch, um, yeah. but it, it's definitely a, a thing encapsulated in its own universe. I thought that his Spider-Man was good. Now taking, uh, unfortunately the, the, the design of green goblin, I didn't love in that particular movie, but then they, it did, was great. I just but didn't, it was- Scary. Oh yeah, and and Willem Dafoe is great. It was the mask that I didn't like. Everything else was fine. It was just that mask was weird because you could see his mouth behind it. Yeah, and so it was strange. But like Tobey Maguire was good in those films, Um, and then Andrew Garfield in the Amazing Spider-Man. They kind of took the idea of Spider-Man and tried to modernize it a little bit. Yeah, and I thought that Andrew Garfield was a great. Peter Parker for that era. And he sort of had, he had a little more sarcasm to him, kind of snark. He felt, he felt more like a high school student than Tobey Maguire ever did. And, and so that fit, like he he fit kind of what I want to, what I felt like should be for the time. But then Tom Holland comes along and you get somebody who is, uh, I think when he, so he debuted in civil war, Captain America, civil war. And, um, he was, I want to say like 17 or 18 when that movie was filmed. So he's playing, he's a teenager playing a teenager. And by the time this movie comes out, he's around 20 or so, but he's still yeah. young enough to, to pull off being yeah. a teenager. And the thing that I liked about him was like you mentioned, he's a little goofy. He's a little awkward. Um, he feels like a teenager. He's got a lot of exuberance to him. Like, like Toby Maguire always felt like they were, Yes, he felt like, again, like a 60s comic book. Yeah. And this Tom Holland feels like a kid. And he feel, he's, yeah. he's super excited about everything. Like, I love how this movie opens up with his homemade video that he's shooting on his phone yeah. of his trip oh, to yeah. Berlin and the, the events, the like sort of what we didn't see of his, uh, his showing in Captain America Civil War. Like, I love that. That was such a fun way to open the movie up. 
and he's so he's so excited. He's narrating the thing, and then Happy's like, "What are you doing? Why? Well, it's because it's fun." And he's like, "He just he he, he can't contain that excitement." Yeah, and and that's uh, infectious. In Civil War, did they talk about his origin at all? Spider-Man's no. origin at all? No. Okay. So, yeah. so that's the one thing. So that's the one thing about the MCU that they did that I like mm-hmm. is that they completely bypassed the origin story for Spider-Man for Peter Parker. Right, because we don't need it. All it's all filler. We don't need it. We've had how many different iterations that did cover it? Mm-hmm. You know, in some various form. And it's just, it's, a, it's okay. Well, everybody just knows what happens. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, the large, the audience at large pretty much knows Spider-Man's origin, which was used bit by radioactive spider. We don't need to yeah. see that happen again. We don't need yeah. the scene where he's, uh, he gets out of the car and uncle Ben tells him with great power comes great responsibility. We don't need that scene again yeah. um, to, to establish we- this Spider-Man. And he fits in this world because Really, what I loved was they adapted Peter Parker and Spider-Man to the MCU in that his father figure is Tony Stark. Yeah. And Tony Stark kind of discovered him and brought him into the fold. So he looks up to Tony. So having the Uncle Ben character in this iteration of Spider-Man, I don't, I just feel like would be, it would get muddled and there would be too much going on. Yeah. And so that was a smart move by them. It was a very smart move to just skip over and have have the origin story literally in a walk and talk with Ned, where Ned's just like, so wait, you're yeah. bit by a spider? Yeah, and that's it. And yeah. we don't need to see it. And then it can just all be done through text, uh, through through conversation that's going on and a little montage, yeah. which was fun. Yeah. Um, and then there was there was a moment with when Tony is ringing Peter out, basically, uh, where he's like, I forget the exact line, but Peter's like, you know, I was, I look up to you and whatnot, and I wanted to be like you. And Tony turns around and goes, no, I wanted you to be better. Than mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, in fact, I captured that. I'll play it a little bit later. Um, we'll get to hear, oh, get to hear that actual line. Um, but yeah. yes, I'm with you in that they didn't need to rehash a full origin. And yeah. Yet still, this movie's two hours and fifteen minutes, and they use a lot of that to set up who Peter is, yeah. and and before they get into kind of the action part of it, which I also appreciated because, again, not every story told has to be world-ending. They're kind of yeah. they Marvel was smart in the way that they would save that stuff for Avengers movies and these bigger movies. Yeah. They moved away from the world threats in every single movie, and. Yeah. This was an example, and and this was a co-production. This was Marvel and Sony because Sony owns the yeah. film rights for for Spider-Man. But it was smart to set it on a lower, uh, smaller stakes, lower level, um, something that you don't have to be like, well, why don't you just call the Avengers? There's no need to call the Avengers for a guy stealing some some stuff out of trucks. Yeah. Like they don't need to. You don't need Thor for that. Um, well, and this was nice in the fact of it. It was basically a movie. It felt like it was basically a movie about Peter coming to his own as Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But like, I like that he's already Spider-Man when we yes. start. When we meet him, he's yeah. already been doing this thing, which is great. Because we kind of get to see in that hero's journey sort of him trying to do too much and trying to be more because he feels like he can do more. It's, I mean, who yeah. who of among us as a 
uh, a teenager didn't think we could do whatever we wanted to and felt like we were smart enough or good enough or, or better than what our, you know, our mentors or our, our parents or our adults thought that we were. So it's like, yeah. it makes perfect sense that he would go that route and try to do too much way overextend himself and then have to get, you know, slapped down by Tony a little bit and t- the suit taken away. Um, so I really liked all that on top of, they did a, I think they picked a perfect villain to have in this Mm -hmm. because one problem that I have a lot with uh, superhero movies and it's, it's gotten better as they have evolved in the last 20 years, because really prior to um, I would say X-Men is a kind of my line of demarcation prior to X-Men comic book based films with the exception of blade in 98. So really you could call Blade that, but comic book based films went in kind of one of two directions. They either were a com- you didn't realize they were a comic like um The Mask or Mystery Men or something like that. Yeah. Or they were not a great adaptation, uh, Captain America, Fantastic Four, um and the like. Uh with the exception maybe of, you know, obviously some Batman work and Superman. But like yeah. you would always have the most iconic villain show up in the first movie. Yeah. Now, part of that is because when you make Batman in 1989, you're not making it in that era. The thought isn't we're going to make this movie and it's going to be a franchise of sprawling films forever. You're trying to make a self-contained movie. The way that it has evolved since X-Men on is to bring in different levels of characters, not just start. not, Not every Batman movie needs to have the Joker in it. Not every, right. not every, uh, you don't need to do the Spider-Man movie with Doc Ock. Give someone right. else a, a chance. And I thought it was cool to bring in Vulture, but then to have Vulture and you change him a little bit from the comics and you have yeah, him fit like, again, the MCU. Right. Cause like it was, Oh, Hey, here's your character. Okay. Now let's just twist it and bend it slightly. Let's change up those fight family dynamics a little bit. Let's change up. Mm-hmm. These characters just tweak them, not like completely off the rails, change them, but tweak them enough so that you can still recognize them. But oh, and go, oh, that's different mm-hmm. in a good way. So, um, so Adrian Toomes, Liz Allen, you know, both. It's, I, I saw them both and went, oh, that's new, that's different. And it took me a second to re- recognize that it was Michael Heaton. Right. So uh, how it's really cool to see Michael Keaton in a superhero movie. Now he's playing a villain, you know, 20 yep. something years later after, after being yep. Batman and he's so good in this. Yes. And what I and liked I, was they, they took the character of Adrian Toomes who in the comic was like an electrical engineer and he created the, the harness that was some sort of an anti-gravity harness that gave him yeah. a flight. They tweaked that a little bit, but I also love how he goes from, we open up the movie. He's got a salvaging company and he's got a city contract that gets blown out of the water. So he goes into business for himself and starts, uh, picking, picking stuff off. But what a great way to have your vulture character is a, is a mechanical vulture. He's, he's picking up the bones of all of this stuff and making his profit off of it. And I thought that was a fun way to just kind of work that in and give like some more layers to, uh, the idea of being a vulture. He's not just like, oh, I'm an electrical. Like in the comics, it was 
he was an electrical engineer genius and an inventor who got screwed over by his business partner and decided to go into crime. Yeah. So they took that idea and it's basically the same thing here. He's a salvage company operator who got screwed over by damage control and decides to go into a life of crime. But at least here there's like, he's got a reason for it that makes a little bit more sense than just somebody took money from me. It was, they took money from me, but it's, it's the people they, they basically took my livelihood from me because reasons. And I don't like that. So I'm going to get back at them. And then he just keeps doing that. And it's, and, and I like setting that, that eight year gap at the beginning. Yeah. So that he's not starting out as a criminal. He's been doing this for eight years now. Yeah. He's got his crew and they're, they're doing all their stuff. And I liked working in uh, shocker two two versions yes. of shocker in this. Yes. Um, that was good. I, I actually enjoyed that part very much because it's like, Oh, Hey, there, here's a C list villain for Spider-Man just showing up, you yep. know? Oh yeah. And like, you, couldn't, you couldn't, to me, shocker is, he's not, He's not a even. I would consider even a B list villain for Spider Man. Oh no, he's certainly a, a third fourth. tier. Yeah. yeah, he's in the third or fourth tier. Like Vulture, Vulture has been around since Spider Man number two. Uh, yeah, and and he's been part of the original Sinister Six and all this. Shocker came along later on. You're right. Like Vulture isn't a top level Spider Man villain. Although Spider Man's Rogues Gallery is pretty good, but he's not Green Goblin. He's not Doc Ock. Um, right. He's, he's not Venom. Yeah, he's not Venom. He's in that next level down. So it's a it's a recognizable enough character for comic fans to be like, oh, that's cool. But then we're going to take the idea of a dude wearing an anti-gravity harness and feathery wings, like an yeah. old man with that. We're going to still keep him an older person, but now he's got these mechanical wings. They've got the turbines on him, which the design of that was so cool. Yeah. Well, and then I liked how they had the bomber jack and the fluff on the bomber jack. Yes, as, yes. As ring around the vulture mm-hmm. yeah that was really cool how they took just normal clothing if you can call a bomber jacket normal clothing it's a lot <laughs> um, more normal than like a spandex took, suit so right but they basically took normal clothing and just made it work like he didn't have to go out and make the suit himself you know he didn't he he basically had everything already yeah and and to have it be uh, a thing, it's like, okay, yes, it's, it's ridiculous to have somebody with giant metal wings flying around. But then when you think about it, it kind of works because he sort of, he needs to have this self-contained flying apparatus that he can get rid of quickly that yeah. can let him maneuver around. So spend a little bit of disbelief, let him have that. But then he adds on the claw feet for the talons. Yeah. And while it looks cool, it's also got functionality with the way that he's yeah. getting around with this suit. Now that's the way he carries his his stuff when he steals it. I was like, okay, that's that's cool. And you're right, the bomber jacket and the flight helmet is a nice touch because it gives enough of a look of like, yeah, this is a the vulture, but also not the same vulture that you're used to in the comics. Right. Well, and it was nice too that with the way that they did vulture, the way that they have his origin, the way that they set up all his tools that he uses, like. And given the way that the MCU works and behaves, it wasn't it wasn't that much of a stretch of imagination for everything that he had. No, not at like, all. No, it was it was 
I didn't even really have to suspend any disbelief. It was, oh, okay, well, you're inhabited by gods like Loki and Thor. Okay, well, you know, you have crap going on left and right. You know, you have, you know, Ultron going on. Okay, well, you have the Tatari invasion that happened. Okay, well, I mean, flying anything that is, you know, the size of a toothpick, not that unreasonable. No, not at all. And and I liked how they had, you know, the tinkerer was there and they were they were scavenging uh alien parts and like supernatural or, or paranormal things and rebuilding them and repurposing them and using them yeah. so they would get, you know, parts of Ultrons and stuff like that. And it's funny, I didn't catch on until you just said it that he was supposed to, that Mason was supposed to be the tinker or is the tinker. Yeah. Like, yeah, they I, had I, <laughs> Like, it, well, they're subtle about it because they never they never name him that. You barely hear his name, um, but that's what that's one of the things that MCU does really well, and and a lot of superhero movies do this, where they throw minor characters in, and you you at least see them in a movie if they even if it's just by name. But like to have the Vulture's crew be Shocker, the Tinkerer, and the Vulture is great because they're all smaller level Spider Man villains, all kind of yeah. working together, and and. I liked uh, I liked his character a lot um, because he's like constantly talking about his high altitude seal and he wants to do that one big score. And the thing with Adrian Toomes in this movie that I liked, and Michael Keaton brings this to him, is he's not a uh, he's he's not a bad guy in the sense of just like I'm just going to kill anybody that gets in my way. But he can be pushed to that quickly. So what we see is him snap on the first shocker, but he didn't intend to actually kill him at the time. Yeah. He didn't pick that weapon up with the idea that I'm going to vaporize this guy. He wanted to just scare him, which is why it's great when he's like, I thought that was the anti-grav gun. Like (laughs) he just grabbed the thing and shot at this guy, not knowing what he was picking up at all. And they're surrounded by alien technology. It was brilliant. But like when he got to a point of being pushed, when Spider-Man was, was interrupting his livelihood, and keeping him from getting the uh, the parts that he needs to steal in order to make his deals and all of that, he got pushed far enough that he was willing to do whatever. That's why he wouldn't give up in that last heist, yeah. even though he should have at at like several points just flown away. He couldn't because yeah. like I'm not leaving empty-handed, and I really like that. And then Michael Keaton brought that scene in the damn car, which yes. So yes. first first of all. It- Really, really well. That actually, I that was actually a pretty enjoyable bit. For me. So before before the car scene, though, when Peter goes to her house and he, and and Adrian Toomes opens the door, the door. You were you? See he, oh yeah. Hail. He goes. Oh shit. Were did had you put it together at that point, or did that so completely here, surprise so, you? I, I'll admit. Um, I had, just over the years, spoilers were like, com- avoiding spoilers was completely impossible. Uh, I had heard, like, that uh, the like the Vulture was um, Liz Allen's father. But beyond that, I had been told nothing else about the movie. Okay. Nothing was. So, that bit of the movie wasn't, like, a, a shock to me. Mm-hmm. But, like the reaction of Peter, you know, and everything before and after that one moment of the reveal, you know, I had still had heard nothing about. 
And I would say, by and large, even for a spoiler, spoiler that really didn't spoil anything. No, and it's but, funny because all, all it does is make you view that scene a little bit differently because now when you see that and you know that he's her father, when yeah. once he opens up the door, it's just like he's he's got the advantage here because he knows who Peter is. And Peter right. knows who Adrian Toomes is. But Peter... Well, no, at the point that he opens up the door, no, he hasn't re- put all the pieces together that Peter is Spider-Man, but Peter has put all the pieces that See, he is... I think he has. I think he already knows, but Peter doesn't know that he knows. Because it, it he starts interrogating him as soon as they get in the car. He figured oh, it yeah. out. Yeah, That's so, right. Yeah, but, no, you're right. Okay, my bad. Yep. So the, the first time I saw the movie, I was very surprised by that scene because they didn't telegraph it to me. And so when he opens up the door and it's Adrian Toomes, I'm like, oh, damn. Okay. And then I'm reeling from that enough that I didn't pick up on the fact that he already knows it's Peter. And I, I was like you, where he's piecing it together as the evening goes on until they get in the car. But watching well, it again... I thought that he picked up the pieces from what Liz is saying, not from he already knew. Because I mean, it felt like he got, mo- he got most of the puzzle pieces from... Liz basically contradicting Peter while in the car. There's a little bit of that, but if you remember, there's a scene leading up to um, things where he's watching the news and he's watching about the stuff happening in Washington. Oh, right. Where he's, he's, he's at least at the very least, he's suspicious of Peter when he shows up. Um, And you know, it's little things like, Oh, that's a, that's a firm grip. You got there. That kind of stuff. Like, He's sort of he's doing that like that's the dad thing to do when you sh- when you shake somebody's hand you know and, oh you got a good grip, but also there's a little bit of like a wink of like he knows Peter's a little bit more than he thinks. So yeah, uh, you know it, that was great. But then as that scene in the car progresses, you're watching. There's there's three different things going on in there, right? You've got you've got Liz who is just excited about homecoming and she's there with her date and she's having a great time. And then there's Peter who's sitting there just dying a million deaths because he knows who her dad is, but he has no idea that her dad knows who he is. So he's trying not to let it go, let, let the cat out of the bag. But meanwhile, he's still a 16 year old kid who, yeah. you know, is just a bundle of nerves already. And this is just making it worse. And then you've got Adrian who is holding all the cards. He knows everything that's going on and he's just toying with him. He's playing with him yeah. a little bit. And once well, I, I kind of thought he was toying with him finally once Liz had left the car and he really starts interrogating him, like that moment. Oh, that because that, I like how I liked how they did the camera work for that one and how they picked their angles mm-hmm. because they took it from the front of the car. Yeah, they didn't take it from the side or whatever. They didn't take it from you know with Adrian's back of the head, you know, to you. They took it from the front of the car, so you could see Peter's reaction. You could still see um, Adrian's facial expressions. Yep. And then on top of that, you could see the pistol just sitting there, being held against the front headrest. Yep. Yep, just out of Peter's view. But it was just just there. It was almost 
like they had done that as an afterthought. Mm -hmm. But it was also really well done because you then realize, oh, he does know everything. You really finally figure out, okay, he knows everything. He has all the cards. He's willing to let things lay as long as Peter doesn't get continue to you know interfere. But I mean, Peter being who he is, of course that's not going to happen. And, and that's the thing that makes Adrian Toomes an interesting character, right? Is because he knows all this information and he's threatening Peter's life and the life of anybody that he knows. But he's like, I'm not going to do anything to you right now because you did save my daughter's life. And I, I appreciate yeah. that. Like, there's, there's a little bit of that there, but it's also like he's just he's so demonstrative at that point and he's so intimidating. But he's got at least a little shred of like, no, you, look, you did a good thing. Just stop messing with my stuff now and we'll be cool. And yeah. obviously you're right. Peter can't do that. And Adrian sort of knows that. That's why he's got uh, Herman, um, Bo- yeah. uh, Bokeem Woodbine playing uh, Herman Schultz, shocker number two, waiting outside yeah. because he's like, kid's going to come after me anyway. But it's such a good I, scene either way. Like, yeah. I love that. I, I do have to say, I think a lot of the, of course, we wouldn't have had, you know, such a great movie without it, you know, if it had happened. But I think if a lot of the headaches that Peter had had during the movie would have been gone away if when he had told Tony, hey, this is going on, it, Tony had come back to him, you know, a, even a day or two later and said, hey, don't worry about those things these things you know the fbi fbi has taken over the case don't worry about it don't get involved yeah and and you're right like it's that classic trope of not communicating enough like all tony needs to do is communicate that to peter and be like look i've got i understand you want to help with this but let's let's let the fbi do this although given the way peter was acting during the movie it probably wouldn't have stopped him anyway so yeah you know, it's hard to say, but you're right. It has that in into it, uh, which does annoy me when I see it in movies. But, you know. At the same time, you know, it does provide a meth or a mechanic for the movie and for the uh, keep going the way it should and yep. for the character development to happen as it needs to. Which, yeah. you know, again, without that, with that miscommunication... I mean, it forced him to grow up just a little bit faster. Yeah. And well, it, it, and, it, and it forced him, yeah, it forced him to realize what he doesn't know. Yes. And that was really what Peter goes through in this movie is figuring out that, yes, he has superpowers and, yes, he can hold his own. There's still a lot he needs to learn, which is why yeah. it was nice that they put that scene right at the end where Tony offers him the new suit and says, I'll make you a, a member of the Avengers. And he turns it down. Now that scene is set up brilliantly. Yes. Because oh, that's wonderful. That whole scene is done so well because it's all set up of like, all right, here's what's happening. Here's what's happening. And he starts talking to Tony and he shows him the new suit and he turns it down. And as he's, uh, and, and you can see him walking away and he's like, that was a test. Right. And like Tony doesn't give anything away until that door opens up and Pepper comes out and you see all the reporters and she's like, where's the kid? What are we doing? Come on. What are we doing? And it's like, (laughs) that's when you realize, yeah, that's when you realize, no, Tony was legitimately offering him all this and just rolled with it when he turned him down perfectly as, as only Tony Stark can. So it's like, uh, it's just, it's so good. Um, 
and and Ace in the chat brings up, and it's true. This movie yeah. is able to show the with great power comes great responsibility without having yes. to beat us over the head with that. Yes. Where we don't need dialogue right. saying it so much as we need it through actions and through what goes on. Um, but the thing that this movie did so well was c- to create a Peter Parker slash Spider-Man that feels like he's still trying to figure it out. Yeah. Um, I, and that I would say if you had to pick a tagline for homecoming, that would be it. You know, with great power comes great responsibility. That, that is encapsulates the movie in a nutshell in a very nice, quick, easy package. It doesn't tell mm-hmm. you the full thing, like no. a tagline shouldn't. But, you know, it tells you what, you know, the basic theme of the movie is. Yeah, it really does. And there was some fun stuff like, you. so we have no Uncle Ben, but we have May. And now it's Marissa Tomei. Yeah. And instead of Aunt May being like an old maid and yeah. like the super old, old aunt, like to look like that, she's in her 50s, but she's not. She's, she's the fun aunt. She's, yeah. the, she's the aunt that everybody, every kid wants. Mm-hmm. Now it helps when you Although, when you cast Marissa Tomei for that role because I mean it's Marissa Tomei. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and it's funny too because I loved her. I loved her reaction at the very very end of the movie when she walks in on Peter. Oh sure, that's brilliant. I mean, yeah, I so love well the done. way that they did that reveal to her about Peter being who he is. Like that was probably one of the best reveals I for any superhero to like any one of the relatives really one of the things they did in this that I liked was the characters so again the Sam Raimi films are very much emulating 60s comics and that era of comic books and this is taking comic books and it's moving it into a more uh what feels like a three-dimensional era so that Aunt May doesn't feel like an exposition machine and she feels like somebody who we don't know the full backstory. We don't know what's going on with his parents. We don't know what happened to Uncle Ben, just that he's not around anymore. But she's doing the best she can to deal with and, and raise yeah. Peter. And she's trying to be his aunt and his uh, and his friend at the same time. But they have like they have a great relationship where they they go out for tie because she burned the meatloaf. And yeah. They just like they can banter and joke back and forth. She helps him get ready for homecoming and it's like teaching yeah. him to dance and all this kind of stuff. Like I just loved her. I love the characterization. I like that Tony is like even in video flirting with her, which is fun. Yeah. Like it's just fun to to have that because it's such a Tony thing to do. Um but I, I will have to say, because uh, some granted some it was sort of inevitable to happen given the the show but the chef show uh episode mm-hmm. two the very the very second episode deals with it was titled avengers in atlanta yep and tom holland's on there and so they just start talking about what i would later figure out was homecoming was bits and pieces of homecoming gotcha like the chicken larb scene it's like okay so when i saw i saw it's like okay i get that joke now mm-hmm. i get what talking about like now i can go back watch that particular episode go, okay i know exactly what the heck they're talking about yeah um we haven't even mentioned john favreau's happy hogan who oh has great i loved it he's a lot of fun in this because happy happy hogan is such a fun character for john favreau to play because 
and I talked about this when I covered Chef. He's fantastic in Chef, and I really like oh, John yeah. Favreau as an I actor. Love Chef. But there's something about when when he gets to play kind of a, a slightly dopey, not quite like on top of his game character, that just yeah. he wor- it works for him. He he plays that well, and like yeah. Happy is that character, right? Like he Happy wants to be more than he is, but he's also like. He's very much Tony's confidant. He's Tony respects him a lot, but Happy yeah. never like Happy's always trying to do more, and like he just has yeah. ambition to do more, but he doesn't quite pull it off all the time. There's a great deleted scene uh, in the movie. You see him at the end where he's like, "Okay, cool, the plane's on its way, great," and then it cuts away, and then we, some stuff happens, and then later we see Happy looking out the window, watching the plane start to crash. And the deleted scene had him that the beginning of that part he picks up his phone. He calls his mom to tell her like, yeah, yeah. Hey ma. No, yeah, no, it, it all went off without a hitch. Yes, I did it. Of course I am capable of doing something. And as he's saying that he looks out the window and sees the plane going down. He's like, I'll call you back. <laughs> and eh. like, it's funny. It didn't need to be in the movie. So that's why they cut it, but it's funny. But like happy is, is great in this because he gets to play the, uh, the straight man to all the zany things that are going on, all the crazy stuff that happens with Tony or that's happening with, with, uh, Peter happy is there to be the foil for all of that comedically. And it works so well. And, uh, he has, he has my favorite single, uh, delivery of a line in the movie, which is in the very beginning. And it's in Peter's little movie when he's recounting what happened and then all of a sudden you hear Happy open up the door and Peter does the backflip and Happy just walks in and goes, the walls are really thin here. <laughs> and walks away. Like, that's such a good, it's a hilarious yeah. moment because this is a guy who knows everything that's going on and he's just like, I just want to go to sleep. <laughs> okay. Uh, and it was it was so good. Um, I, but yeah, John Favreau I, just plays Happy Hogan perfectly and i like the fact that happy when he realizes what happened with the plane and then they go to see the wreckage mm-hmm. and find everything all bundled up and packaged together and including adrian tomes himself yep which was hysterical on its own um the uh just the fact of he realized what had happened and basically, who saved his back? Yep. Who saved his back? And well, he then turns around and is able to go straight face to Peter and go, thank you for doing what you did. I love how in the beginning of the movie, Peter is, is sending all the text messages and like he's just so anxious to go on his next mission, but he's not getting any response from anybody. And then peppered throughout the movie, we find out that, yes, Happy is listening to what goes on. Yes, Tony knows what's happening. They're just yeah. not communicating back to him yeah but they know what's happening and i loved that as a just kind of a throwaway reveal where you know go back to helping the lady but that bought you the churro or go back to you know doing this like they're paying attention to what's going on with him they're just so busy with everything else going on that they can't give him the one-on-one attention that that peter needs or feels like he needs um which I mean, in fairness to Peter, yeah, he, at this point, he still sort of needs all that one-on-one, which, because of their day-to-day lives, they really can't give him. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, in some no, ways... Yeah, no, it's exactly what it is. I mean, in some ways, like, during the movie, did Peter fail Tony? Yeah, definitely. 
But at the same time, I would also argue that in a lot of ways, Tony and Happy both failed Peter as well. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it was it, one caught by the other, not necessarily. It just busy lives. Yeah. Well, again, communication, right? If if Tony tells him, "Hey, there, you know, the suit's got a bunch of stuff set up on it, but right now I've got a lot of that locked off, and we'll slowly open that up as you learn the suit more." But because Tony is Tony and he doesn't explain things well, and he's so incredibly busy, he just gives him the suit and says, here you go, and then Peter's got to find out about the, the training wheels protocol, which I love all of Tony Stark's yeah. protocol names. They're always great. Which, I mean, to be fair, I mean, I, I, even in high school, I was of the... I had the mental capacity to understand, okay, you have to friggin' crawl before you can walk and you have to walk before you can run and you have to be able to run before you can go ride a freaking bike. Yes. However, in Peter's defense, his first interactions with Tony were to be taken from Queens to Germany to fight against Captain America and a bunch of other Avengers. Yes. Like he wasn't. So, so he gets a taste of all of that, and then all of a sudden it's, no, 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 be the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Stay low to the ground. Yeah. And, not, and I'm not going to communicate with you that, oh, no, you know, you're not ready for the full thing of the suit yet. Not because I don't trust you, but because there's a lot going on, and you just need time to, to learn it. Adjust. You just need time to adjust and to learn. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, it's... Yeah. It, it just... I... I think, you know, in terms of from the human aspect, you know, there was a lot of screw ups on both sides. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Nobody's nobody's without fault for sure. Right. And it's very, very clearly telegraphed in the movie, too. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I like that Peter isn't perfect. I like that Tony is. I like that Happy isn't. I like that Aunt May isn't perfect. That they telegraph those faults. Sure. But, like, it doesn't take, for me, it ne- displaying the faults doesn't take away from the movie, doesn't take away from the character, doesn't take away the no. good that the character has done. Nope, not at all. In a lot of ways, it kind of enhances it. Because it, it's sort of like they're saying, hey, yes, this person is a screw up, but hey, they still manage to make something of themselves and to do good. Yeah, they feel like real people as opposed to yeah. characters from a comic book. They yeah, feel... as opposed to Superman who feels like he's the stereotypical perfect scout. Sure. Like, Which, it's... I mean, it's Superman, so he is. But no, I, I get what you're saying. I get, yeah. But I get exactly what you're saying. And that's what I like about about the MCU characterizations of a lot of stuff is they bat, they kind of make an amalgamation from your classic Marvel comics, from your Marvel ultimate lines, from yeah. all sorts of stuff. And they mission mash all that together. And they create these interesting, I feel interesting characters. Certainly they've and gotten it, better it, with that over time. Yeah. And, um, also very engaging. And what's the other word I'm looking for? Intriguing. Um, intriguing. But like they're, you want to come back to them. Mm-hmm. Well, here's an example of a character. You want to see more of them because you want to see, you know, Peter continue to grow up. You want yeah. to see how, like, for me now, I'm excited to see. Was it? Uh, what's the next 
Spider-Man one? Far From Home. Far From Home. Wait, is I thought there was another one before. No, nope, there's 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 uh, Homecoming, Far From Home, and then uh, No Way Home. No Way Home. Okay. So yeah, so Far From Home. So like now I'm like more excited to see Far From Home because okay, I've seen Avengers. I've seen Avengers. You know the in game. I've seen Infinity War. I've seen. I still need to see. You know Civil War, but that's you know I can do that at some point. Mm-hmm. That's easy. But you know, now going on to it makes this one makes me more excited to see Far From Home. Well, and Far From Home, what's interesting about that one is that's the first movie post Endgame, so it's dealing with the Endgame fallout. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it in and so you know that's interesting. But like, here's an example of a character that they changed and made different in this movie, but they kept the the idea of the character the same, and that's Flash, Flash Thompson. In this movie oh, yeah. is still Peter's bully, but instead of yeah. being the stereotypical bully that he was in the '60s version of the comic, which is the big jock that just yeah. beats up on Peter because he's a nerd, here yeah. they made Flash more of an emotional bully, and he's yeah. just a jerk to Peter. And in this yeah. movie, especially, we—that's all we know of him. He's very one-dimensional. He's just a, a dingus that doesn't like Peter for whatever reason. But we're gonna learn more about him as the movies go on. So, you, okay. I think I think you'll like a little bit of what they do with Flash as they go okay. on. But like, because yeah, yeah, he's so one dimensional in this, but he's perfect too. Like, he doesn't need to be more than that in this movie. He's just there to, again, be sort of a foil and give yeah. Peter, you know, give these moments for Peter or for Ned. Um, and Ned was another character that I really liked in this because Ned is that he, he wants so badly to be the guy in the chair and he wants to, he like when he blurts out, Oh, Peter knows Spider-Man. Yeah. They're, they're good friends. Like we all have had that friend, right? Where you tell them something yeah. in confidence and they can't keep it inside no matter how much they want to. Um, so yeah, he makes for a great, uh, he makes for a great sidekick um, in this movie. And, and again, they did a good job of casting actors to play high school students that while they were all a couple of years removed from high school, they're all kind of 20. Yeah. They're all the same age. The baby fat to, Mm -hmm. you know, make it not that much of a stretch of, Oh, Hey, you're still in high school. Yeah. And, and they all are the same age too. You don't have like one of them that's 20 and then, uh, you know, Ned is 28 or something like that. And he's playing a 20 year old. They're all around that same age. They all look young enough that it it passes. Tom Holland definitely looks like a high school student. Oh yeah, in this movie, and even now he still looks like a freaking high school student. It's like okay, True, he's... I wish I still looked that good, you know, <laughs> at that point. But by the time I was twenty five, you had to know that you know, <laughs> no. Yeah, he's a, he has definitely got a uh, a very baby face, uh, and it works for him. Oh yeah, yeah, um, it does. It works for the MCU, which is wonderful. Like they can. I feel like that even without having seen No Way Home, that they can get a lot of still get a lot of mileage out of the fact that he is looks so young. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, um, I got to mention a couple other people in the cast because uh, Zendaya, uh, who played Michelle, and then was revealed yes. right at the end as MJ. Uh, I thought that was again like- another character who they take from the comics and they they switch him up a little bit. And make yeah. it fit this this world better. 
Um, I was, so I was cool. actually just about to say I liked what they did with MJ. She is not the popular redheaded girl mm-hmm. that she's in the comics or even the nineties cartoon. Yep. She is just this girl who, you know, named Michelle, Michelle, who, you know, is very much the outsider, just like Peter and Ned. Yep. And so they sort of, so, you know, instead of just the duel, you, you, you can already see, Oh, Hey, they would make a perfect trio, you know, yeah. to tag team when they need to. Absolutely. Um, did you and, catch, did you catch who Donald Glover was? No. So Donald Glover is Aaron Davis. And if the name Aaron Davis doesn't get you, he mentions that I've got a nephew that lives in the neighborhood. And Aaron Davis's nephew in the comics is Miles Morales. Morales. So he's playing, I can't remember what his character is in the comics. It's like, he was also, uh, Aaron Davis was in, um, in uh, uh, Into the Spider-Verse. He's the, like, not Nightcrawler, but the he's that guy. Um and oh, I can't think of the name now, but that was Donald Glover's character. And so that was a nice, again, it's another one of those things where you have a side character, they show up, you can, if you're a comic fan, you can get yeah. the Easter eggs of what that is, but also it just works to have this character who's there, who has a little bit of a criminal past, enough that, that Spider-Man would go to him for information. But you can also kind of tie it into that, where it's it's not purely fan service. Um, the character has a point oh, to be okay. there. I, for some reason in my head, I heard you say Donald Glover, but you said Danny Glover. Did I say right? Danny? It's Donald. Donald oh, Glover. Donald? Yeah, Donald Glover is Aaron Davis. He's the one that gets that he goes to and does the interrogation scene where he uses enhanced okay. interrogation mode. Okay, that's why I didn't recognize him off the top because I'm used to seeing Donald Glover from like Wait, is Donald the younger or the old elder one? Because Donald and Danny Glover... They're not related. Okay. That's what gets me confused whenever <laughs> I hear the names. It, it... Okay. No. Okay. I'm on the same page now. Yeah. But yeah. Um... So I like the fact... But see, here's the thing, though. I like the fact that May now knows. Because mm-hmm. now... It's... It always annoys me, annoyed me when in cartoons or even in movies where she doesn't know, where Peter does not want to tell her because he forgets. Yep. Will she be mad? Yes, for a little bit. Will she be worried out of her mind? Every single night, of course. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, she is somebody, she is an adult who can give him an alibi when he needs it. Mm-hmm. The Prowler. Thank you, Ace. That's who it was. The Prowler is the character that Aaron Davis was in the comics. And that was played by like, Donald Glover. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, no, you're right. That's that's a great like, point as well. Like, I, I don't know how many people hatch that, that she may, would be able to give him perfect alibis for whenever he needs to disappear. Well, and this version of May too, I think, well, would handle perfect. it a lot better than yeah. uh, than the May from the comics, where you know she looks like she's in her late seventies. Yeah, this version of May, I think, could deal with that a, a lot better. Yeah, um, yeah, as opposed, to, like you said, as opposed to the May from the comics, who looked like she might have a heart attack if she told him, or even yeah. from the nineties, where yeah, no, she would definitely have a heart attack if she told him. If mm-hmm. she told her. 
And again, um, like the 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 way that they portray May in the Raimi Spider-Man films works perfectly for the films that they're making. But in this version of it, uh, we're we're much better off with what we had. I also loved like Hannibal Burris as Coach Wilson. Um, yeah, who is only in a couple of scenes, but he's just—it's funny. Like he's leading detention, yeah. and he's just sitting there. Yeah. When Peter just gets up and walks out, he's "Hey, where are you going?" Like he just doesn't care. He he cannot be bothered at all. Uh, he has that great line where they're where they're watching the Captain America video. And he's like, hey, "This guy's probably a war criminal now, but I'm required by law to play these for you." So here we go. Like he's just—he is that that teacher that just has checked out and doesn't care anymore. He's the coach. Um, but yeah, but yeah, like, um, that's kind of says, yeah. Like if I had powers, yeah, I might not tell some, anybody either, but at the same time I might, I think it would probably depend on the situation. Yeah. It's a tough one to, to say. Yeah. That, that's whether or not to tell somebody is, is definitely a tough needle to thread. Um, because between liability, between other issues, yeah, it's it can get pardon the pun, but it can get sticky fast. Oh, definitely. Um, okay, so here's another fun little Easter egg. And again, this this is a, a pure Easter egg, but I really, really liked it. The principal of his school, right? Yeah. Is played by Kenneth Choi, and he's Principal Morita. Here's the cool thing about that. Did you ever see, did you see Captain America, the first Avenger? Yes. Okay. So Kenneth Choi is in Captain America, the first Avenger playing Jim. I think it's Jim Morita, who was one of the howling commandos. This principal is his like uh, either son or grandson. And, and in the scene after the, the trip to Washington, when Peter's getting talked to by him, there's a picture of Jim Morita in the principal's office. And I was like, I remember when I saw this movie the first time and I'm like, is that like, it took me a second. I I had that moment of like, I think that's supposed to be Marita's kid. Like I put, I made the connection because I recognized the actor and I was like, that's a, that's just a cool thing to do. I love stuff like that. That's a fun little one. And then Martin star, Martin stars, Mr. Harrington, by the way, is hilarious. He's so much fun. I like, I always like it when movies dress the sets so that you're pulling Easter eggs from everywhere. Like, and it's not always the big fat banner sign at the front door. That's the Easter egg. Sometimes it, sometimes it's just a little tiny card sitting on a damn desk, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, oh yeah. You know, it, or, you know, just, you know, a trophy or a plaque or something. Sometimes it's a piece of paper that's just innocently laying there. Yeah, I I mean, being a set dresser on a movie, especially a movie where there's an interconnected universe at all, I just feel like would be super fun. Yeah, because you can do that kind of stuff. And and, but and see, here's the other thing with like the MCU too; they would have to have one hell of a show bible. Show bible (laughs) bible too, because are you going to keep track of what you know was put into the you know what got shot and or put together from like. 30 different films and remember it straight. No, no, no. And they definitely have continuity. Like they have stuff that contradicts other stuff that happens all the time. And that's fine. I remember, uh, because for a while, um, both the, uh, defenders series, like daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, iron fist, all of those 
were part of the MCU canon, but so was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and there was a contradiction there because Carl uh, Crusher Creel was in was name-dropped in the Daredevil series as being a boxer that fought Jack Murdoch, but then he shows up as Absorbing Man in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and he's way too young to have been old enough to, to box... Uh, Jack Murdoch like 20 years ago or 15 years ago, whatever yeah. it's supposed to be. So it's like, it, that, that still happens, but man, like stuff like that's just fun. And to, to bring yeah. back Kenneth Choi, um, to do another, another series and just never mention it. Like he's never mentioned by name. They don't make a big production yeah. out of it. It's just like, if you're paying attention, if you recognize him, you can put two and two together. Or if you look at his name yeah. in the credits and you're like principal Marita, and then you go and, you know, in the, the way that people are today, they go on to IMDb and they look this stuff up. Um, you see that. Martin Starr is another one. Martin Starr. So the, the, the teacher, Mr. Harrington, this is actually the second MCU role that Martin Starr had. He was in The Incredible Hulk with Edward okay. Norton. In the Edward Norton Incredible Hulk, there's a scene where he goes to a computer lab and he bribes his way in with pizza. And the student working the college in the computer lab is Martin Starr. He nice. kind of like nods at him with the slice of pizza and goes to eat it and all that. That's Martin Starr. So like the fan theory for a while is like that kid went on to be a teacher and now he's he's here. It's not the same character, but I just love that it's the same actor. Um so like that's that's just fun. Like the cast in this the I, I enjoy the hell out of this movie. I think it's a very good comic book movie. I think it's a very good Spider Man movie, personally. Um and it and they did a good job with like not not bogging it down with too much action, but kind of backloading the action scenes. There is because even the the they they have the chase scene in the middle, sort of the middle part of the movie, right where he's running through the suburbs. Yeah, and you sort of see the reason why Spider Man works best in New York City. Yeah, because once he's in the suburbs, he doesn't have buildings to swing on. That's the yeah. the the moment where he hits the golf course is the best. Oh yeah, because then he's just got to run yeah. across the golf course. He's just running, it's like, oh my god, what's like? Yep, you're in a golf course way yeah. out in the birds. Um, but yeah, I like, I like how they've taken a lot of the characters in, for the MCU from the comics, like you said, made an, an amalgamation from the different sources, mm-hmm. from the different timelines. You sort of put them into a ball, just sort of sh- you know put them into a shaker, just shook them up. You know, rolled the dice, let, laid everything out, and just see what came of it. Absolutely. Um, MJ being one that worked out really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tom Holland as Peter worked out, working out really well. Um, I mean, I'd say, you know, the main characters for the MCU, all in all, worked really well. Some of the side ones, mm, yep. it's up for debate. But, yeah. Yep. Uh, oh, um, what was I going to mention? Did you recognize the voice of his uh, suit lady, Karen, that he names Karen, the voice in his suit? No, no, I did not. And I know I should have. Well, she sounded familiar to me, too. Yep. It was Jennifer Connelly. Okay. Who you've seen in Labyrinth and Dark City and the 2004 Angley Hulk and like the Rocketeer. I mean, she's been in a lot of stuff, um, but okay. that was, that was Jennifer Connelly. And okay. I liked that they, they had her voice in there. So that was, that was fun too. I mean, overall, like this, this movie is, is a fun movie. 
Um, and I really like it. Now, I did capture some audio if you want to hear it. You want to hear sure. what I captured? Yeah. Okay, let's see if I can remember what any of these are. Um, oh, all right. This is every movie set in New York City has to have that New York City moment, right? That that thing that like only happens from somebody that lives in New York City. It, the The example I always like to give is the moment in Ghostbusters where Rick Moranis slams up against that glass wall in the restaurant and everybody turns to look at it. And then he slides down, and as soon as he's out of view, they all just go back to their meal. Like, that's that New York moment, right, where just nobody cares. This is sort of this movie's version of that, and this is the 911 call when he's fighting the guys in the bank. 911, what's your emergency? Uh, Spider-Man is fighting the Avengers in a bank on 21st Street. <laughs> like, he's very calm about that, and I love how he words yeah. it, too, fighting the Avengers. Like, clearly it's not. But it's a funny line either way. So I loved that. Um, this is the one you mentioned earlier, and I did capture it. And it's uh, it's Tony and Peter. I just wanted to be like you. And I wanted you to be better. Yeah. Because that's that's Tony, you know, having that realization that, that he needs yeah. for Peter. That's that fatherly thing in him, uh, which yeah. I think works really well. Which, I mean, you know, and it sort of spoke to the desire of a father for their son to be mm -hmm. for their son better than what they were yeah so, absolutely i mean I, to me when i had heard that that definitely solidified the father-son relationship that peter and or that tony and peter have mm -hmm. um i mean you know you 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 still even get that in infinity war and endgame but i mean yeah it it, it you Seeing this says, okay, well, now I know where that really, really started. Yep. You know? Yeah. So. Uh, here's here's Martin Starr um, as Mr. Harrington uh, just being funny. And this was a funny moment to me. That is false. What did I tell you about using the bell for comedic purposes? Like, it's just, it's so great because you can tell he's had to say that so many times and none of them yep. listened to him anyway. Uh, so yep. that was, that was always great. Uh, oh, all right. So when he's, when he's using advanced interrogation mode on, um, on Donald Glover's character. And so it's, it's oh, changing his voice. Change. Yeah. I just, again, Tom Holland's version of Peter is great because he feels like a kid, like the reaction of the guy in the Spider-Man costume when, when Donald Glover, when, you know, Aaron Davis is like, I, what's with your voice? And he goes, what? There's nothing wrong with my voice. Like, I know what a girl sounds like. And his reaction to it is just great. Reason. I'm not a girl. I'm a boy. <laughs> just so indignant with that low tone too, with that voice changer going on, just made me laugh. Um, so yeah, that one was good. Uh, um, uh, Ned and him talking and the, the line before this is Ned being like, doing his Tony Stark voice. Oh, good job, Peter. Here's a gold coin. And then... I don't know how jobs work. That's exactly how they work. <laughs> it's just... It's so good. Because it's true. At that age, he probably has no yeah. idea how those how a job would work. Yeah. Or thinks he doesn't, at least. So that that was always a good one. Um, well, and then there's the first fact that sort of they sort of hid his, you know, activity as Spider-Man as... 
oh hey it's an internship with uh at stark and uh enterprises yeah that was right? a good one too it's like okay you can think of a better cover for that <laughs> well like, it's it's like in the comics when uh, Iron Man was Tony Stark's bodyguard. Yes. That was the story yeah. was he was the bodyguard. Or Matt Murdock uh, had a brother named Mike Murdock was the other good one. Um, a twin brother, Mike. That was who, uh, you know, and it's like, no, no, that's dumb. Don't, don't do that. So uh, this was Tony in the car with Peter. And this was in all the trailers too, but it's still a funny line. That's not a hug. I'm just grabbing the door for you. When he leans over yeah. at the door. Because <laughs> it's just that gentle hug that Peter gives him. It's so good. Oh, let's like, see. There, there's a lot of this movie that's like, oh, hey, these make really perfect sound bits. It's really oh, yeah. kind of crazy. It's like, this is probably the most sound biteable movie I have seen in <laughs> a really long time. Man, it's got a lot of them. Uh, this was my favorite line from May, uh, outside of her reaction to seeing Peter as Peter, which was... Ned, some hats wear, man. You wear that hat. Yeah, he gives me confidence. Because <laughs> he's wearing his fedora. He's got his Indiana Jones fedora on going to this party. Yep. I loved that. I've 100% been that that guy. Uh, still am. I wear a hat. I don't I wear a fedora, love- but I wear a hat uh, all right. the time. I just love the way that that she does mage that she plays may in this movie. It's like, Oh, it's yeah. great because no, she's, I want, her, I want her as my aunt. Just go, go bust off. Oh yeah. Because she's, she's very much like both sincere in telling him that, but also kind of poking fun at him at the same time. Yeah. And it's like the perfect balance of those because it's not hurtful in any way, yeah. but she's, she's, she's acknowledging that it's kind of silly, but also that it works for him and that it, yeah. if it's giving him confidence, it's a good thing. So like, I loved that. Um, let's see what was, uh, Oh, this was from Peter's movie. Oh. Oh, and, then, oh, and then the death, the line, try not to stress him out. I've seen his cardiogram for some reason. When I saw the movie, I heard it as try to stress him out. I've seen his cardiogram. <laughs> it's like, Hang on a second. Wait a minute, Tony. Wait. Hold on now. Um, it's like, I, I the line never did not make sense to me. But now seeing it in text, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Absolutely what was it. No, that makes more sense. Yeah. Uh, this was Peter during his movie when he's, this is during the fight in uh, in Germany. Okay, so the craziest thing just happened, right? I started a fight with Captain America and I stole his shield and I threw it at him. And I'm, the hell, he's big now. I gotta go. Hang on. <laughs> like that's such a teenager thing is he's trying to like yeah. he's trying to make this video <laughs> oh, it cracked me up and then in the the vision of that too in the background you just see giant man stepping in uh yeah. so good um this is another like, one that's oh go ahead it's because for me i was never the kid who wanted to film everything i'm still not the guy that wants to film or take pictures of everything actually i and the opposite. I never want to take pictures of anything. I never want to film anything. Because, like, I don't want to, you know, see this, you know, like, because I'm never going to put it up on social media or anything like sure. that. It's like, I don't live my life by that. It's, mm-hmm. you know, and so whenever I see people, it's like, why, why are you, you putting your entire life for everybody to see on social media? 
I mean, for some people, that is the way that they do. I have a balance of it. I I don't take as many pictures as I feel like I want to, but I'm too busy experiencing things sometimes to, to think about that. Well, yeah. So. And that's what it is for me is, is I'm too busy experiencing this. I don't want to break that immersion for myself just to take a freaking picture just to prove I was there. Yeah. Uh, this is another one that but is very my much. My wallet is proof enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like... So here, here's another one that's uh, very much a teenager uh, Peter. And this is um, when Ned's asking him why he doesn't, if May knows. This, so this is earlier in the movie. If she finds out people try and kill me every single night, she's not going to let me do this anymore. <laughs> that's his worry. Not that not <clears throat> that she would be in danger or anything like that. It's that she wouldn't well, let him do that anymore. Yeah. Well, like, he's not 100% wrong. Oh, right. She might not for all of a week, if that. Mm-hmm. Because she realized, oh, hey, no, he is... Because I feel like this, at least this version of May, would realize, oh no, he's doing something important while he's doing this. Oh yeah, he needs to be up. absolutely. Like, but like, just the fact that that's his concern <laughs> was his it, concern. She's not like, gonna let me do this anymore. It's such a such a sixteen year old kid's worry. It is. It really is. So I love that. Uh, this is him dealing with Aaron again. This is after. This is as he's leaving. So we've already heard him say. I'm not a girl, I'm a boy. And now, after he's changed the voice changer and he's walking away, and I just love the reaction. No, 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 no. Come fix this. Two hours, you deserve that. I got ice cream in here. You deserve that, you're a criminal. Bye, Mr. Criminal. (laughs) (laughs) I've got ice cream in here. He was just out grocery shopping. That's the best part. There was another deleted scene uh, that I saw, which was basically aftermath of that. It's later on. He's still stuck to the car. And he goes to get his keys out, and he drops them, and he can't reach his keys. And like some <laughs> some lady comes walking through the parking garage with like a, a shopping cart, and he calls to her, and she just keeps walking. He's like, "Human in need of help here." Uh. And then you just see him like sitting on his phone talking to Miles, being like, "Sorry, I, I'm not gonna make it." No, Miles, I'm sorry. I just I'm stuck. Like, <laughs> and again, it's funny, but it didn't need to be in the movie, so I get why they cut it. But I just love that. No, 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 no. You come back here and fix this. <laughs> but again, that's where uh, stunt casting somebody like Donald Glover in that role to play that small part m- elevates it, makes it better, right? Because he just oh, yeah. he's he's able to deliver that perfectly. Oh yeah, and I think for me, the fact that they tried to get the right people for the right roles because it feels like they got they worked really really hard find the right people people for the right roles, even if it was just a one-line cameo part. Sure. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, and the thing with about that, though, is, is I'm glad that they do. Mm-hmm. Because it pays, it pays dividends just watching the movie. Yeah. Because it makes it more realistic. Well, certainly, and and certainly in 2017, Donald Glover is well-known. People that know either him from Community, know him from Atlanta, or know him from uh, as Childish Gambino, he's well-known, but he's not a superstar on the level that he's going to take you out of the scene because he's in it, but he's no, yeah. he's recognizable. So it's just a nice, it's a, it's a nice little piece yeah. of stunt casting. I liked that. Um, this was a, another good one from uh, Mr. Um, uh, Mr. Harrington and it's MJ uh, or Michelle talking about how she wants to get in some light protesting 
Protesting is patriotic. Let's get on the bus. <laughs> it's so good. Well, it's patriotic. All right, let's go. Like, there's just something about this image, MJT, that it's like between her and seeing Peter, you know, growing up more, it's like, okay, you know, you just want more of them. You know? Oh, yeah, and definitely. Like, definitely. Even that, as dopey and as crazy as he is, like, there's just a quality to him that goes, okay, I want to see more of him. When can I get more of him? Well, and the thing with Ned is like Ned is the emotional center, right? Like he's he's yeah. Peter's conscience in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. And so it works. Like he he should be a little bit dopey, but he's also like he's just as much a fanboy of all this stuff as Peter is. Oh, and yeah. So it gives it gives Peter somebody to to bounce all that energy off of too. Yes. Absolutely. So that's that's why that works so well. Uh, this was Hannibal Burris, um, the coach, after showing the the video of Captain America. Thank you, Captain. Pretty sure this guy's a war criminal now. <laughs> Just casually <laughs> dropping that. And I got one more, and this one. Oh, only one more? I'm only, amazed. I'm shocked. Only one more, but this one, the, this one had to be captured because it's a, it's ridiculous, and b, again, it's a, it's a thing. Like I would do this now. Let alone when I was like 16 if I was, and, and it's this one. Yoink. Saying yoink when he took the keys from them on the, on the bar, on the, the ferry. Yeah. No, is, is such a great funny. moment because it's no, such a I, dorky I mean, thing to do. In all fairness, I probably would be doing the same thing. Yeah. Like Truthfully. he grabbed him and he says yoink. And he, he verbalizes yoink. So I had to, and, and now I have that forever as yoink. I've got a yoink on my soundboard and I can play it whenever I want. Oh, so good. This, this movie is a ton of fun. And I think that's one of the things that the MCU uh, did really well. And having the co-production of Sony and Marvel so that you have the influx of Marvel stuff and bring this interconnected. It's fun. Even in the heavy moments, it's still it manages to balance it out really well. But it it overall is a fun movie experience. Yeah. So I'm glad that you finally got to see it uh, five years I, later. And honestly, I think that the the MCU benefited from the partnership between Sony and Marvel for this. Oh, they certainly did. They, they certainly did because so, Sony was going to make another Spider-Man movie. There was no question that that was going to happen. It wasn't. It was, it was. And for them to be able to broker a deal and get him intertwined, at least for the movies that they have so far, who knows what's going to happen going forward because Sony wants to make their own Spider-Man type of universe with Venom, with Morbius, with all that kind of stuff. And with the multiverse now being introduced into MCU things, you can go in all sorts of different directions. But yeah. having your kind of marquee name, having that name that everybody knows and being able to associate it with your established movies that at that point that this movie came out, they were about nine years into yeah. uh, the MCU uh, was a huge thing. Uh, and it, I'm glad that they were able to do it. And it gave us a ton of, it gave us great connective tissue with having, all you have to do is have Happy Hogan and and Tony Stark show up in this movie, and it's immediately part of the MCU, and yeah. it gives you so many different avenues to go in now. Um, I really, really enjoyed that. So 
I'm glad that you enjoyed the movie. Yeah, I did. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Like, granted, and this is true for any movie that there's going to be parts that annoy me to no end. Oh, sure. I mean, all that was just the normal kid stuff that you know I find grating now that I'm you know in my 30s, you mm-hmm. know, as opposed to you know when I was you know young enough to still find it funny. But yeah, it's you know other than some of the stupid kid stuff that happens, it's like I had a lot of fun with this. Like, yeah. And and that's the thing is it's fun. It's able to it's able to bring Spider-Man into the MCU. It gives a character like Vulture uh, center stage in in an interesting way. He's not just a bad guy. the The family dynamic of that is a fun twist to add to it. Um, and Michael Keaton just crushes it in that role. He's so good. Oh yes, absolutely. Um, and and just all of the things that they did, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm I'm very much looking forward to hearing uh, your thoughts on Spider-Man: Far From Home and eventually No Way Home as well. Um, those are going to yeah. be fun uh, to I'm, talk about. I'm looking forward to seeing those as well at, at some point. I mean, obviously, it's going to be freakier now now that you know that cat's out of the bag. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to to seeing those now, um, especially now that I know that. Far from home, or no, far from home is post, you know, end game. Yep. You know, it's. Yep. Um, that is, that is, uh, important in that movie, um, that it is post end game. And, and you get that. I mean, you get the sense of it right away, but, but definitely, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on those movies as well. Um, but, uh, Nisbet, thanks for being here this week. This was fun. I'm, I'm glad to show yeah. you this movie too. Um, cause I do feel yep. like I was surprised when you said you hadn't watched these. I kind of get now a little bit why, um, but I was yep. still surprised that you hadn't watched them. So I'm glad that you got to get to see this and, uh, and add I mean, it to you your know, Marvel. Surprise you every now and then. <laughs> it's good. It's good I mean, to surprise me. Right so, so another one, okay. So here's another surprising one for you. I haven't seen black Panther yet either. That's, That's a good what, one. Now, to be fair, that is one I had fully intended on seeing in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Cause I had heard, really good things about it. Just, I didn't get the chance. And then there's out of the theaters and then life got crazy. Yeah. Thankfully, like uh, also COVID then happened too. Yeah. So I, think that I mean, was it was pre, but there, just barely, it was like 2019 uh, or yeah, around there. Um, but it's definitely worth seeing. Now, the fact that all of the MCU minus the Spider-Man, movies are on Disney plus is a, is a benefit cause it's easy to find them. Um, yes, I don't actually have Disney plus. I'd actually have to borrow my parents. Or get my which is Okay. I, I mean, I, Disney plus that's what I kind of intended, have intended tried been meaning to get anyway. So, I mean, doing this and seeing some of those, mm-hmm. I mean, just gives me an excuse to, Oh, Hey, I need to go do that now. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for being here. Um, what do you have anything you're working on that you want to let people know about or, or anything like that? Um, no, not right now. Um, a lot of what, you know, and you know what I that a lot of what I do is is I help run a couple of different events. One here in the Detroit area, and then one actually down in Indianapolis in August. Okay, um, those are Furicons. So I'm part of that, you know, scene and stuff, and um. The other than that, though, I mean, I stay home. I tend to watch the streamers that I can um, and just play a few games here and there. 
So, All right. Well, it, when we get closer to that event in August, we'll have you back on for sure around then, so you can uh, promote that. It's, it's I'll be still in Indianapolis. So, <laughs> well, when we get closer I'll to it, we'll give you a chance to. Yeah, because that's a I don't get back to Monday night. <laughs> so. No, no, like a few weeks ahead of time, so you can promote. Oh yeah. Promote things, yeah, absolutely. Um. But yeah, thank you so much for being. So this this show comes out uh, on Wednesdays as a podcast. But if you want to be here and see it live as we record it and be in the chat like Ace Tigress, like Big Floating Death Panda, uh, you can do that. It's at uh, Sunday nights. Or even me normally. Yeah, you're, you're usually in there as well. Um, it's uh, it's twitch.tv slash TV's Travis on Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern time. We record the show live. Uh, and then, like I said, it comes out as a podcast on Wednesdays. Anywhere you get your podcasts, you can easily find uh, it. If you uh, go to tvstravis.com, there's a subscribe button on there. You can then from there go into Apple, Google, your favorite podcatcher, um, Spotify, all of those because I made it difficult to search for. Um, however, leaving a rating or review on your favorite platform those make it easier to search for for other people so uh, if you can do that I appreciate it greatly and if you want to support the show uh, ko-fi.com slash TV's Travis buy me a cup of coffee I would appreciate that as well um, now next week I have uh, Kurt from VO by Kurt and he is coming on and we are going to talk about the Maltese Falcon Ooh. we're going we're gonna to dive awesome. back into the film archives I, I may have to try and find that one and watch that one for myself so I can follow at least follow along next week. Absolutely. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, it's a classic. It's, it's a classic for a reason. Humphrey Bogart, directed by John Huston. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. This is going to be fun. So I can't wait. I love, as, as, much as, as much as I love like stuff like Spider-Man and these big blockbuster tentpole films, I love going back to classic cinema. Um, oh, same here. Same here. So, um, another one I haven't seen is funny enough. Another classic one I haven't seen, Casablanca. That also is a good one. That's that's gonna end up on this show at some point, I'm sure. So, yeah, come back uh, next week uh, for the Maltese Falcon because that's gonna be a lot of fun. You had you had something you were gonna say? No, no, no. Okay. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for this week. Thank you, Nisbet. Thank you, chat. You're all wonderful. Um, and, uh, we'll be back next week for the Maltese Falcon until then enjoy your movies and it's getting to be spring. You can get outside. So be excellent to each other. Couldn't bear to lose a student on a school trip. Not again. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>